The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You could think of us as the Zach and Cody Martin of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and also thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guys who life the guy whose life might be upgraded to a cruise ship just yet. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, also, second Cody reference, just a little after my time as a child. So I did not watch that show, uh, but I'm aware of it. And I, they ended up on a cruise ship, right? Yep. Eventually. Yeah. So yep. was it The Sweet Life? Yep. The Sweet yep. Life of Zach and Cody. And then it was like The Sweet Life on deck. Ooh, I think, what do I know about Zach and Cody? Did Ashley Tisdale get famous from that show? I there think was a so. Disney yeah. lady. Yep, 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 yep. What okay. else do you know about Zach and Cody? They're twins. Uh-huh. And I think was one of the kids Ross's baby from Friends. I think that's accurate, yes. That's a guess. I, I think I, I recognize them some, from something. I've seen ads well, I saw I used to see ads. Well, I think there is a bigger thing that you might one of them. Know them from. No, oh, I mean, okay. yes, one of <laughs> they they were Ben Geller, so that is accurate. Oh, look at me go! But there is something else that you might know them from. In addition, well, there's actually two things you might know them from. In addition, from film. Uh, one is film, one is television. I picture one of them being very rude to someone and like stomping on someone's foot. That is potentially how I met your mother. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe I'm thinking specifically, I'm pretty sure that they played Julian in Big Daddy. Oh, I'm pretty sure they were Julian and Big Daddy. Okay, and one of them right now is on a pretty hot television show Game of Thrones, not quite that hot. Uh, uh, Station 19. No, the I like where you went with that. That was good. The Bachelor. No, do you want me to just tell you? Are you gonna go through every television show here? The Shield. That no, that was a good. That was a good show, though. But it's not the Shield. Uh, it is a show that is better than it has any right to be. If that fresh helps. off the boat. If you listen to Constance Wu. Uh, no, but that is. I've, I've heard a very good show, but I, I've not seen it. Uh, they're on Riverdale. Cole Sprouse uh, plays Jughead on Riverdale. Wait, he's Jughead. He's that he's old Jughead. now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was he was born. Early, I mean, early '90s. So, if this and, isn't a challenge to our listeners to get through the opening of an intro, I don't know what is. Well, I was <laughs> good gonna, job I, to us. <laughs> I figured basically every podcast I listen to right now starts with you know a solid ten minutes of Game of Thrones talk. Yeah, and we'll switch it up and we'll have some sweet life of Zach and Cody talk. I I just have tried to give our listeners something different. I get it. I mean, it's hard when. 
when you go ahead and kill Daenerys, like it's hard for people to not talk about that. <laughs> do that. Oh man, you do realize if that happens, like in the future, someone's gonna come back and listen to this episode and think that you totally spoiled that if that actually does happen in the future. Well, tune in next week and see if that happens. That's true. Very true. Uh most recent episode of Game of Thrones, just a, a like, dislike, or indifferent to. I enjoyed it. I mean, everyone, we're just in that entitlement culture again. So everyone's mad that it didn't go the way they wrote it in their head, which would be better. <laughs> so let it be what it is, people. I mean, it, it's not going to be worse than the Battlestar Galactica ending or some people's opinion, the last ending, which I didn't mind. See, uh, I did. The Sopranos I ending or all these things. Everyone has, like, it's a combination of, years of your life you are not going to be satisfied <laughs> most likely right. there's going to be things you don't like you don't like that there's fi finality people don't like that it's you know and sure does it seem rush yeah was it rushed maybe we don't know the conversation hbo had with these two writers we don't well, know we kind of well, do actually <laughs> well we don't know if they wanted to specifically ended in six episodes or season eight do we know that well i don't yeah, know so that. they basically said after <laughs> season six that they were going to do 13 more episodes and that was it and hbo asked them to do more and they said no oh so then we blame the writers okay i'm back on the <laughs> i'm back on the bandwagon <laughs> so no, yeah i didn't mind want to do other things like make star wars and things like that yeah i i enjoyed parts of it i was critical about some parts of it, but overall, I enjoyed the episode. What about you? Overall, I I enjoyed more of it than than I did not enjoy. I will say, I have listened to some. I do listen to some Game of Thrones recap podcasts and analysis podcasts and all that good stuff, which I always I think helps sometimes led helps me understand my feelings better. I don't really think I ever changed my opinion, but I definitely have a better understanding of maybe why I felt the way I did about certain things. And surprisingly, actually made me feel better about a couple of things that I had before, even though they were trying to not defend what was happening right. by what they said. I felt better about it, actually. So not really their intended uh, outcome, I don't think. But one of them did bring up a very interesting article that was written that I can't remember who it was by. Uh, so I apologize. And it has nothing necessarily to do with Game of Thrones, but I think it actually really applies to games as well. Big time. And that is the idea. Have you seen there's the meme that basically is just let people enjoy things? Oh, I haven't seen it. No. Okay. So there's a meme that's just that just talks about let people like things like it's okay to let people like things. Yeah. But the, re the rebuttal to that is that it's also okay to not just because someone doesn't like something that you do is not a personal attack on you. Well, people are personally attacking these people. On the no, internet, they, very, they very much are. They very much are. I would agree there. But just the concept of how, and the words of the article, roughly paraphrased, mm. of like how un, I'm trying to think of a good word to describe this. How shaky is your like and passion for something that someone else merely saying they don't like it causes you to feel uncomfortable or that you have to immediately jump to your defense of it? Right. Yeah, I agree with that. That I mean, we're we're that part of the outrage culture that we're in now. That also has to do with that because you either you're either on one side or the other, but you immediately feel attacked for having an opinion. So yeah, people get defensive like pre like <clears throat> 
pretty needing to be defensive. So yeah, I agree with you. Like people don't want to talk about their opinions. And then there's a polar opposite where there's these people who only want to tell you their opinion and that their opinion is the only right opinion. Right. So there is the interesting idea though of where what is your house and the idea of, you know, on this podcast, if we share our opinion, yeah, how much are we actually soliciting feedback for other people to tell us how we feel? Just like yeah. your Twitter feed. If you solicit, if you put your your thoughts on Twitter, is that your house? And do you go into someone else's house and slap their magazine out of their hand right. and be like, no, that's not the okay thing to do? I don't know. I I think I think there's some validity to the idea of what you post on Twitter is kind of you in your house, and I think it's totally rec- reasonable to have a cordial disagreement with somebody. Or say, hey, it's interesting you thought that. I felt the complete opposite way. Why did you feel that way about that thing? Like, I think that's completely legitimate. But being a jerk to someone about it, probably not the best place. Probably doesn't have a place in in that scenario, you know? They didn't go to your Twitter feed and at you and say, hey, this thing is dumb. And then if they did, sure, you can have that conversation maybe (laughs) a different way. But anyway, and luckily tonight, Josh, Mm. we are going to talk about something that is not divisive at all that no one ever gets up in arms about and that everyone always just has a good time with and supports one another having a good time with it. Just, yep. (laughs) Just part of the experience. (laughs) All right. So, hey, let's get to the podcast then, everyone. As always, thanks so much for joining us this week. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff we've been posting over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of PSVG, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone else who you think might enjoy the podcast as well. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. And if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. And just, you know, board game listeners, this is going to be a pretty heavy video game focused episode, which we don't have too often. But other than talking about board games at the top here, it's going to be a whole lot of video game talk. But to start with those fun things that we play on the table... Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Well, Mother's Day and my wife's birthday are very close to each other. So surprisingly, she wanted board games for both of those. So that was a nice surprise. Um, So I I picked up Haven by Red Raven Games, uh, which we tried to play. Uh, Turns out the rules for that were a lot heavier than the game we had just played before. Um, So uh, we did not get Haven to the table yet. Uh, but we did play a game by, from Z-Man Games uh, titled Noctilica, which is a pretty easy, fast, and fun game. Um, I'm going to leave the theme right out of it, but you can think of it as like jellyfishy, uh, oceany st- themed, but uh, the theme is not very important in the game. Uh, what you do is it comes with a ton of dice, and you set these dice up on this uh, circular board. There's two um, circ- like two rows in there. The outside circle gets five dice each. The inside circle gets four dice each. It's all random. 
You draw them out of a, you draw them blindly. It didn't come with a bag, like a like a blind bag. It came with a clear bag. So we're gonna have to remedy that. So it's easier to draw from. But uh, what you do is at the start of the game, you randomly choose a color which stays secret. There's blue, green, red, and yellow. I believe uh, I could be mistaken, and they are in secret so you want to put your color face down so your opponent doesn't know what you're trying to get bonus points for uh and as as you play through the game you're not rolling dice at all actually you're placing your pawns in a two-player game each player gets six pawns you get less per amount of players playing because the game only takes place over two rounds which is nice it's like a 30-minute game um, so what you do is the person who starts the first round, you are going to draw cards and you're going to try to think potion explosion. You're trying to make these quote unquote potions, uh, or these arrangements of different color jellyfish on your card. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to take a pawn on the outside of the circles and if you've played Topiary, it has a similar um, um, mechanic. You start on this thing and you pick a row that is exactly straight from where your pawn is located. Straight in one way or the other. There's only two ways it can go straight. And you say a number. So if I start on the outside and I look, I go as straight as I can to the left and I say number two, I take every die that has a number two on it, no matter the color. And then I take those die and I place them on my cards in front of me, uh, which are essentially my victory points at the end of the game. Some of them have bonus points in the top right-hand corner. Um, and so let's say my secret color was blue. At the end of the game, I'm going to get bonus points for every blue jellyfish on every card I completed. Simple as that. You go around till you've placed all your pawns and your opponent has placed all their pawns. Then you put more dice out and you do another round and then a game ends after that round. Simple, fun, easy, nice to look at. The art is very good. Um, <clears throat> you know, once we got going, it was one of those games like, you know, you know the rules. It just takes you some refresher. Um, and a couple, we had a couple uh, visits back to the rule book, but but much less than normal. So um, it was fun. It was a good game. I, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's probably 10 bucks more expensive um, than it should be, but that's probably because I bought it at my local game store. You could probably get it for 10 bucks less on online at like Cool Stuff Inc. or Miniature Market. So I think we paid 35 I think it's – like we bought Haven at 25 I think um, just from uh, what I've looked at for Haven so far – I think that, that they could probably swap prices and be fair. <laughs> so, so what, yeah. What if what, does this remind you of other games or other games that you were like, oh, if you like X game, this game might be a game for you to try. I mean, it's it's dice drafting, so it's not. Um, it's a little similar to Sagrada, uh, just okay. in the way you are are getting your dice, but you're not like when you're drafting dice, you're not technically using the numbers on them. You're just calling a number to, you know, grab those dice. Um, it's similar to topiary where in topiary, you are scoring points for direct line of sight. Like you place your piece on the outside of the board. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I will say, I don't think I can compare it to a game as far as everything combined goes that I've played at least. And this is pretty new, right? Just out recently yeah, like released? Within, within the month, I think. It came right. Out. Okay. So yeah. I recommend. Have you played any of Shem's other games? I know we've talked about them, but I don't know if you have you played any of Shem Phillips' other games. I don't know that I know him by name. He is the person who designed like the North Sea trilogy. So Raiders of the North Sea, Explorers oh, no of the North Sea. No, those are on my like wish lists. Like, I really want to get those games, and I always have that problem where I go to the store and I see I see a couple of them, and I'm like. Oh, wait, which one is the first one again? I don't right. know which one to buy. <laughs> well, I just it just seems like such a divergence from his previous games, like the North Sea trilogy and then Architects of the West Kingdom. Yes. Is him as well, you know, and then you have this game that just looks so, it just seems and sounds so different. Totally different. Yeah, I can say, I know because uh, Architects, I, I, ju- I was just looking at the other day. Again, it's a game I want to buy um, because I know it's like... Um, a version of Stone Age, like mechanism-wise, um, worker placement. So yeah, this game is definitely much different um, than his other games. Gotcha. All right. So just the one game that you've been playing recently? That's it. I was hoping to be able to talk about Haven. Um, my um, Folded Spaces insert came in for Spirit Island, and uh, we bought Harry Potter Labyrinth recently, so hopefully be able to play those two games and build my folded space insert have you had keyforge friday recently no you know we haven't had keyforge friday in almost a month now Why? what's going on life life <laughs> is in the way you know and they're doing pizza weekend uh this weekend so we can't play this friday they go into the bronx for pizza and then they go into new haven for pizza for all weekend and i have a child so i can't do that anymore <laughs> I was going to say, Keyforge sounds like the perfect pizza weekend game. It is 100% the perfect thing to bring in. You know, it really bums me out. I have to work on Saturday, on a Saturday, for a bodybuilding competition. So it's going to be messy. <laughs> what are you doing for this bodybuilding competition? Or I'm, just clean, your I'm cleaning up afterwards. Okay, okay. <laughs> and from everything I've heard, hey, shout out to us if you're a uh, bodybuilder because uh, – <laughs> The things I hear they do in preparation and what they leave behind sounds like I'm in for a terrible Saturday. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to hear a job past Kyle had? Yes, and it is related. So okay. sorry for sorry. What's that? Spritzer glitter. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Um, so younger Kyle back in his back in his college days um, was very active in event planning and program planning and all those good things. And as a result of that, I became friends with some agents who ran like the Miss Minnesota USA pageant. That sounds better than what I'm doing. <laughs> and pageants in other states as well. So I would regularly go work security at pageants. Whoa. But I would help with like setup. So I would help set up the stage and all the technical setup and all that good stuff. And one year, I after I had done it a couple of years, I got to... Uh, judge the most photogenic contest. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And yeah, so I did security and it really was sometimes extremely awkward because when you're doing like the Miss Minnesota stuff, not a big deal. But when you're doing Miss Teen Minnesota, 
and they really have are just very comfortable with changing kind of wherever and doing all of those things and then you know Kyle who's in college and is like wow I feel like this probably isn't appropriate but I'm supposed to be the security person so what else am I supposed to do here so yeah other than stand and I guess look the other direction so yeah it was it was definitely an interesting time and that was a job I had for I did that a few times it was it was an experience so (laughs) so I hope that your bodybuilding competition is I don't want to say better, but I'm sure it'll be an experience that you will have. Maybe I'll get to judge most photogenic. Maybe you will. (laughs) Maybe you will. So, but I'm going to bring a board game. I think I I get to work with, I I work with one other guy. So maybe I'll teach uh, a non-board gamer a board game. That sounds like fun. So yeah. And if nothing else, hopefully you'll get some good stories to tell out of it later. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. All Right. So, uh, board games for me. Hey, no surprise. I played Century again. I'm I, thrilled. I'm telling you, this game. Every time I look to play board games, I set all these board games up, and all I really want to do is play Century. So more Century Golem Edition. It was played, and it was good, and it was great. I played it with four players for the first time. Nice. And I got second place and fourth place. That was really good, I guess. Uh, the same person won both times, who was a person who basically never plays board games. So that was great. <laughs> Made all the rest of us feel really good about ourselves. Um, my excuse was it was the first time like our, our gaming group got together. So I my excuse is we we just wanted to make sure everyone felt welcome and that they would regularly come back sure, to play. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I'm going with. Um, yeah, so she was very sneaky, <laughs> just very nonchalant and not drawing much attention to herself. And then all of a sudden it would be like, oh, I have four cards. What? What do you mean you have four cards? <laughs> And you have enough gems to buy your fifth card on your next turn. How is that? What? Uh, we have a we have a ge- uh, uh, a general house rule. I would say that my partner insists on, and I, I think it's fair that if you're playing a game that ends when it's like, oh, when X player gets their fifth thing, we have a general rule that when you get one before that, you have to tell everyone. You have the Uno rule, right? That yeah, basically yes. That when you get down to one card. Because we think it's typically asking enough just to keep track of game state, that if we're expecting you to keep track of everyone else's stuff too, that that might just be a little too much for people. So that is a a house rule that we have for any game that ends in that way, that you have to notify people when you're one away from victory. What do you do if they forget? It's not the end of the world. It's not a, we'll give it, we'll rib them a little bit and give them a little bit of a hard time, but it's not, obviously it's fine. It's not the... Just a huge deal. Do you think that that house rule is a good rule or a bad rule? Uh, I like it on principle, um, but there's so often times where we forget things. That, that's why I asked you what happens, what if, because um, I have a lot of competitive friends who mm. would take that house rule very seriously. And then I have a lot of friends who are more casual right? who would probably react the way you said that you guys react. So I feel like... That's why they're house rules, you know. Certain houses make certain things work, but in my house, with the people who come over to play, it would be disastrous. <laughs> yeah, I make it a habit of I can typically do a pretty good job of keeping track where people are at. So mm-hmm. I will often ask people if they don't say anything. I'll say like, "Hey, was that your fourth <laughs> card yeah. you just got?" Oh yeah, it was. Sorry. Yeah. So I I can because I could do an okay job. I can't win the game, but I can do an okay job. Of keeping track of what everyone else is doing. 
yeah maybe i should focus more on trying to win apparently <laughs> so anyway <laughs> but anyway so yeah we played century and then another game that i got in is definitely a game we've talked about on the podcast played some king domino yeah who i will say i've kind of been a I don't want to say a poo-pooer on King Domino, but I've never thought it was as good as everyone else seemed to think. And I think I might be changing my mind. I think it's better than I remember it being. Well, when you play a game with hype, you know, that's going to affect your experience too. Right. So just a brief rundown, because I think we've talked about King Domino before, but basically you're playing dominoes while you build a five by five grid kingdom. Uh, there's a box with all of the car- with all of the dominoes turned upside down and they're bigger cardboard dominoes and you pull them out of the box equal to the number of players. So, so if there's four players, you pull out four dominoes, put them in numerical order and then flip them over. And then in order, you basically are bidding with your meeple about which piece of land or which domino you want and then when you take yours the next group of dominoes is already out so then you select that domino uh, that you want to take and then you kind of place the domino you took into your five by five or eventually going to be five by five grid so you have a little kingdom that has started in the center and you just have to match and you know the forests or the sea or the wasteland or whatever it might be you have to match those up so at least one side has to be touching a matching side other than where you start on your kingdom and yeah you just create a five by five grid uh the kingdom that you have or the little castle that you have does not have to be in the center it just needs to be somewhere in that five by five grid and you know this is really i think a very interesting game in the sense that it's very easy to teach But there's a lot of decisions that you have to make that aren't super complicated, but you have to think a little bit about them, right? Because, you know, you have that first group of dominoes laid out and then you have everyone who has taken their, put their meeple down. And obviously player one goes first, but then they have to decide, you know, after they've picked up their domino, okay, do, is there a certain piece that I want next? And where is that in the turn order? Because it always goes turn order top to bottom. So not only are you picking the next piece of land you want, you're also picking when you get to go and when you get to pick then your domino for the following turn that you don't know what that one's going to be yet. So it's a really ingenious design in a really simple game that makes you think a lot. Not a lot. Think some. So yeah. I just really like King Domino. I, I Like I said, when I first played it, the first couple times I played it, I thought it was fine. And maybe that was just, yeah, like you said, the hype surrounding it or my experience of who I was playing it with. I don't know. Uh, But the more I play it, the more I am starting to like this game and appreciate the strategy behind it. I will say the first time I now realize, because I haven't played it in a while, the first times I played it, I played it wrong. Mm. Not by my fault, but I didn't realize until I read the instructions that when you're scoring (laughs) at the end, you only get points for the land groupings that have castles in it. Oh, Because when I played it the first time, it was if you have like, say you have three forests that are touching, you get three points. Yeah. But then if you have a castle, then you just multiply in addition. It was like Carcassonne scoring. Yes, exactly. So I, which I guess is reasonable that, you know, the person running the game would think it was that way. I I totally understand that. But then when I realized that, no, you have to have castles, otherwise this land scores nothing, definitely I think improved the game. So apparently playing with the right rules helps the game play better. Imagine (laughs) that. I wonder if that's true for Seven Wonders. Oh, I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. So that is what I've been playing on my tabletop. Like I said, more Century, always always on the table, and then also got back into King Domino, which I'm appreciating more than I used to. Josh, what have you been playing on your television, sir? Well, we have the same games written down. <laughs> we do. We do. 
Uh, <clears throat> so uh, since we've last talked, I've been playing Days Gone. Um, I haven't played a lot of it in the last maybe four or five days, but um, since we last talked about what games we play, I've been playing it. You are five days gone. <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah, 700 something days yeah. gone. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I enjoy it. Um, it's not as bad as you're hearing, internet, uh, but it's also not for everyone, which I, I mean, we say it all the time or I say it all the time. I, I get that. It's fine. It doesn't have to be for you. It's a it's a fine game. It's not it's not calling me back to play it. You know, I'm not like I can't wait to get back to it. But I, you know, if I think about what I want to do, Days Gone does come to mind. If I'm like wandering around the house and the kids taking a nap, I'm like, what can I play for two hours? Josh is uh, just walking in circles around his living room. What should man, I do? Sometimes that happens. <laughs> what, what should I do right now? Yeah, sometimes that does happen. Or I stand, and I'm used to rocking when my kid was a baby, so I still rock. So I'd just be standing in the middle of the room rocking back and forth like a horror movie. Like if you walked in, it would just be me (laughs) staring at the wall, rocking back and forth. Uh, Yeah, I make decisions that way sometimes. Um, It's it's good. I like the controls. Um, I like the gameplay. Uh, It's it's fun to either be kind of stealthy or just kind of go crazy and kill zombies can we call them zombies is that what they are freakers <clears throat> yeah well so they're not technically zombies because they're alive and they eat and they drink and they sleep and all that other stuff they, okay so yeah like the first time i ran into this the small children one it was like mm. it gives you the option like if you just want to leave them be you can leave them be but mm-hmm. be aware if your health gets lower or you happen to step one foot over the line into their yep. territory they're going to attack you. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to climb this building and shoot them all with my shotgun (laughs) (laughs) because I'd rather not worry about that in 10 minutes. Um, So yeah, I enjoy it. I keep playing it. Um, Definitely no hate from me. Um, It's, it's a good game. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11. I continue to play it right now. I'm really just going through the um, basic tower and getting everyone's um, generic ending. Well, not generic. Sorry. Um, animated ending instead of cgi ending the lesser good endings mm-hmm. uh, some of them are not very good but you know sometimes they rush that stuff too so it is what it is uh i'm still loving the combat i love the gameplay um you know i i hear people's complaints about the crypt I, originally i thought it was like competitive players but it does kind of bum me out i can't I don't have access to all the fatalities or brutalities. Um, And like when I go to customize my characters, there's so much I can't get, Mm -hmm. which is a bummer. Um, But it gives me something to work towards. So I'm also not mad at it that much. Like give a reason. Like people could just drop Mortal Kombat 11 after either playing the story or playing hundreds of matches online. They're giving more life to their game. So I I do not blame them for that. Uh, And I started Rage 2 today. Uh, And uh, I got a couple, I got a question on Twitter about it already. Uh, I I don't feel comfortable um, necessarily giving you like a full, like this is my review of the game or, or even like more than just a first impression. But I will say for first impression, um, 
it doesn't strike me as a good looking game right away, uh, but that that is a problem with the opening of the game. It takes place at night and the darks are very dark um, and the detail isn't super great. So it was hard to kind of figure out what was going on. I didn't know if that was by design um, at the time. And I can tell you, it seems to be that that was the case because once it becomes daytime and it opens up, you can kind of see everything. And like you can kind of see what you went through and experienced. Um, so I'm going to guess they did that on purpose because it looks great in the daytime aspect of the game. It also could be my TV, which is certainly possible. Uh, there's a lot more story than I expected right away, which is a good, I think is a good problem to have. Um, it's not yet, it's not as crazy as like the trailers make it out to seem like it's not Bulletstorm. Which I think kind of, kind of the trailers sometimes painted it to be right. Um, Bulletstorm, as far as the frantic combat and the sometimes over the top um, language for no reason. Like I don't, I haven't really come across that yet. There's definitely like parodies of Gears of War um, characters, and there's some funny stuff. Uh, but it's uh, it's fun. It's it has its funny moments. Once you get into the vehicle, like the game just like opens up so much. You can like the map is huge. You don't have to go anywhere. You can go wherever you want. You get mission. You get you your map. You have like waypoints on the map where you can go to. Um, but you run across like a bunch of things just driving on the way to like where you where you think you might be trying to go. Um, so it reminds, so it has little bits of what made me really love Far Cry 5 already, like right mm -hmm. away. The, I'm just going to kind of run into things on my way to other things. So it's not just a drive to get somewhere. So I really like that. Maybe it's more like a Borderlands feel. Okay. Um, the combat's really good. Uh, I like the, um, the fact that th their uh, unlock and level up system seems to be um very detailed and th like there's a lot you can do it looks to be very in-depth so i'm excited to explore that more as well uh so it definitely has some rpg elements to it for character development uh but yeah that's more i, ca I can't wait to play more rage too um and i bought steamworld dig on the switch <laughs> i haven't played it yet but it was two ninety nine, and apparently I had enough coins to get it for free, so I just got it for free. Nice. But I'm not going to use those coins for anything else. That's like um, when I buy Katana Zero. It was fifteen bucks, and I had enough coins that it was like three dollars. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Yeah, the, the, those coins should be worth more, but at least that you got that discount. And that's nice. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, I haven't started yet. I think I'm going to start it on my TV first, so I get a better idea of the game. And then uh, it seems like a perfect like portable game to play in bed when my wife's watching, you know, whatever she's watching. Gotcha. I only played the second one. I never played the first one. Okay, cool. I well, like the second I'll one. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the second one, though. So I beat it, which hmm. or I completed the game. I don't yeah, know. That yeah. I, I didn't like beat it up into a bloody pulp or anything. I, I completed the game. I hear you. So. <laughs> All right. Anything else you've been playing, sir? <laughs> That's it. Jeez. Uh, 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 <clears throat> oh wait, I downloaded Terraforming Mars on my uh, on my phone today. So yeah, you did. I'm excited 
to try that because I almost bit the bullet on Steam because uh, it was just on sale for like half off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have the game, and I really think this is going to be something that helps me uh, ease my way into learning the, the board game. Right. Um, and and you can download it if you have uh, iOS or Android. Uh, you can just go to their website or go to Asthma Day Digital on Facebook. I even got an email about it today, but I happened to stumble upon it in one of my board game groups on Facebook and immediately downloaded it. Nice. Plus we, plus we played Shards of Infinity. I didn't. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't talk about Shards of Infinity. <clears throat> now we have to. Because then you have to buy it. it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, those are all the games that I've talked too much about. (laughs) No, I don't think too much at all. So I will go in reverse order of the games you talked Mm. about. Uh, Rage 2. I downloaded it. That's what I did. So Rage 2 is downloaded. You probably meant to download it earlier, but you, I was like, oh, I got to log into the PlayStation and download Rage 2. No, I, I pushed like, it to your console. Yes, for you. you did. I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah, I once I I bought it, I realized I because I always see you know the oh pushed your you know download and, and I usually don't because I don't know how much storage you have and all of yeah. that. So I was like, ah, this time I'm just gonna push it to his console. It'll be well, fine. I appreciate that. That was very nice of you. <laughs> no problem. Just makes it easier on PlayStation to do that. So yeah. Whereas Xbox is really easy. It's a little more complicated on PlayStation to do that. So, <laughs> um, so Rage Two though. I went in and then downloaded it on my console and yes. it's downloaded. It is not started yet because and I'll talk about days gone in a minute. Uh, still playing Mortal Kombat 11. I'm on a quest to figure out this anchor thing, man. I tell you now, mm-hmm. Ed Boone and other realms did not respond to me. Tracking. I know, but I, 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 <laughs> I tried to write my tweets. So I wasn't coming off like a jerk because I genuinely am not mad. I, for whatever reason, this just sticks in my head. For every person who, for Game of Thrones or Endgame or anything like that, has little story things that they're like, why did they make that decision? What's the story? And not even why did they make the decision? What's the story behind this small thing? For whatever reason, the anchors on the boats in the Sea of Blood are like stuck in my head. And I can't stop thinking, but why do the boats have anchors if the Sea of Blood is bottomless? You gotta you find the them. writers of the game and, and tweet I them. Know. Not Ed I sh- Boone. <laughs> I well, Ed Boone. Anyone at another realm? I'm just hoping they get me to the right person because I I'd have to go look who the. I'm sure. Are. I'm sure he's gonna stop what he's doing and be like, "All right, I mm, gotta get Kyle good the question. name of the story writer." <laughs> I know, I know, right? So, but still working my th- way through Mortal Kombat 11. Obviously, I finished the story. I and I, like I said last time, didn't really understand much of any of it, but I had fun. It was good. I have done all the tutorials. Nice. And all Good the job. character and all the character tutorials. So that is where I'm at. And I hope to start doing some powers and all that good stuff here soon. But the reason I haven't done that is Days Gone has this weird hold on me that I can't really explain. While I'm playing it, I'm having fun, but I'm not having fun like I did in God of War or Horizon or anything like that. But when I'm done playing it, I really want to go back and play more. And I don't know exactly why. I don't know what it is specifically that's calling me back. Excuse me, but it's a game that I really enjoy the world. I know that some folks think Deacon as a character is a little on the nose, and I would agree with that to many extents, but I actually am kind of invested in this story. I want to know what happened. (laughs) So I keep, I started playing it a lot because I wanted to get it done before Rage 2, and then I realized this game is really long, really, really long. 
So I keep just playing it because I wanted to get it done before Rage 2, and that clearly didn't happen. And I don't know that it's going to happen. I have a few days off from work this week, and I'm hoping I can, you know, if I put in some long days uh, that I can get it done. But the game just kind of keeps on going, and it, there it has problems. There was, I took a screenshot, I didn't post it, but I took a screenshot that I was in a camp the other day. And one of the NPCs was just a head and shoulders. There was nothing else <laughs> below them. They very clearly should have been wearing like a coat or a tank top or something. And like right where that line is, as to where that clothing garment should have been. That's the only thing you could see. And the whole rest of their body was gone. Now, they weren't a mission giver. They were just some random person in the camp. So it didn't stop me from doing anything. There was no bug like that. But it, it's a little odd. But do you remember when this game was revealed... And at the end of that E3, they did the fighting the horde and the sawmill. Yes. So I recently, one of my side or a little, one of my little objectives was to go clear out a Nero checkpoint. So I went to go clear out that Nero checkpoint. And that Nero checkpoint was right next to that sawmill. Oh. So I was genuinely nervous the entire time <laughs> I was in there because I got there and I was trying to decide. I was on my way back from a different mission and it was starting to be daytime. So I said, okay, this seems like a really good time that if I am very quiet and take down all of the alarms and all of the, those things, this should work out well, right? Because the horde will be asleep and it will be asleep in the sawmill. This shouldn't be a big deal. So I drive up, get off my bike, and I can see the horde working their way into the sawmill. So I knew they were there. I could see them there and I could see them all getting into the sawmill and going to bed and all that good stuff. So I run around this neuro checkpoint, taking down the speakers and all these things. I go find the gas can. I basically quadruple check everything. I'm following all the power lines, to all of the things. And I'm like, I got this. This is great. This is going to be perfect. Fill up the generator, turn on the generator. Two air horns start going. <laughs> and I just run. And I get to my bike. And I when I get to my bike, I turn around. And here's this wave of freakers coming out of the sawmill <laughs> over to the thing. So I get on my bike and I drive away. And I, I was far enough. The checkpoint was far enough away that I was able to run to my bike and drive away before any of them really got there. So I really wasn't in any danger. But then I was camped out at the top looking down at this checkpoint being thinking to myself what did i miss like how did i how did this happen and this was the first time that they had air horns mounted on the lights <laughs> and i was like you pesky sneaky people so then i put a silencer on my sniper rifle that i had and i shot the the horn the sirens down from a long way away and eventually all of the freakers went back to the sawmill to sleep and then I went down there and, and got my little neuro injector and all that good stuff. But it was interesting because I was listening to another podcast that was talking about this game. And they were talking about how all of the things that they that they were marketing this game on and the different things that could happen, that those things aren't actually in this game. That you can't approach the world in the way that you want to and, and all of that good stuff. And very clearly, they just... I don't know if they played the game differently or if they just didn't have the experiences that I was or what was going on. But the things that Ben talked about, I have done in the game. There was a part where I had a Marauders camp to take out. And when I went to show up to it, there was a horde, a much smaller horde that was coming down the road towards this camp. So I threw an attractor 
right by kind of where this rock was that when the when the freakers came around the rock that the uh, marauder camp would be right there so the i threw the attractor the horde comes around the rock the marauders see them start shooting at them so then all the freakers just go into the camp and kill everyone nice and that mission was done mission accomplished <laughs> So, and the beauty of it was, is that they had killed, and the Marauders had killed enough of the Freakers in the Horde that I was able to wipe out the rest of the Horde and get the checkbox done of taking them out too. So it was really great. It all worked out in spades for me. So (laughs) I'm really enjoying Days Gone. I I don't think there are definitely issues. There are definitely bugs. There are definitely problems with this game. I just really think that if this is what's considered an average game these days, I, 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 I can't. I, yeah, I mean, my gosh, what the line is, has pushed so far these days. And I think this is the big reason why when we were talking about, you know, putting scores on games and all that good stuff about the, the problem that that might have and, and why that's not always a great idea. There was a different game that came out recently. It, may, it might have even been Rage 2. I don't remember that someone from Game Informer had linked their review and said oh bummer i was looking to check forward to checking this game out and the game got a score of seven i was like (laughs) bummer what do you mean so then i went and looked at game informers scale a seven on their scale is average right which is not the case how do they have more ways one through 6.75 because they do it they do point uh 0.25s one through 6.75 to do games that are less than average. Yeah. Average is seven through seven, seven, five. So if your game is better than average, you only get eight to 10. That's it. That's all you get. Eight yeah, to 10. You need the grading system for video games. So, yeah. Anyway, that's enough of us ranting about video game <laughs> ratings, which we have ranted about many, many times. What we're going to do instead is we're going to move on and talk about happy things. We hope. It's going to be happy things because I'm <laughs> framing our whole conversation around happy things. So it'll be great. Good. And as a quick side note, I do want to say I actually really like Game Informer. I just had never looked at their radio scale before and then was very confused by it. So there we go. That's fair. All right. So we're going to go move on to our topic of the show. And like all of the other PSVG podcast network shows, it's pre three preview week woohoo so we're talking about e3 which is just about a month away and we thought it'd be nice to do some preview of all the things we're looking forward to hoping to hear about and all that good jazz at this year's show Hmm. we're gonna go briefly through the bigger announced conferences and just do a brief look at what we're hoping for what we're excited about and all that good stuff so if you're wanting a more in-depth look at each of the shows Uh, or at each of the press conferences, I would encourage you to listen to the respective shows that cover those conferences, i.e. the Xbox Empire, the Nintendo Shack, all of that good stuff. Us, though, we're just going to do a brief touch on all of the things because we can, so we're going to. Mm. And it's going to be great. How does that sound for you, Josh? Yeah, let's stick it to them. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just going to go through the list of conferences, and we're going to talk about not necessarily we're not gonna make predictions about what's gonna happen there but we're gonna more talk about what would we love to see from these companies or from these press conferences what would get us most excited so that's really what the focus is on are what are the things that we are hoping to see or hoping to be there that would make us go man that was a great press conference or that was a great show or this year's e3 was great does Mm -hmm. that sound good yes that sounds 
Fantastic. All right. If you want to make predictions, you're welcome to. I don't know that I'm going to make any predictions. Okay. Okay. But first, before we get to the conferences themselves, we have heard, or it was first foretold to us, that the Metal Gear Solid board game was going to be at E3. Hmm. Do you think that's still happening? Have we? I haven't heard anything else about that. Have you, good sir? Um, no, I, uh, I haven't heard anything else about it. Um, I know that like Gen Con's supposed to be like the big reveal, so maybe it's just a behind closed doors kind of thing. Um, oh, okay. But I don't know who they'd be. <clears throat> I don't know who Emerson would be there presenting for, with on behalf of. Certainly not. Is it because is it he's working with Konami on the game? I would. Just, I mean, obviously, they have to have Konami's blessing. So, right. So, I guess I. I don't know. I always get it confused on between um, Konami and Kojima, who really is in charge with this license anymore. I well, know. It, I know it the, is Konami. I just yeah. always get confused. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe they'll be at Konami um, showing it off, but it, it might just be behind closed doors because I. I cannot recall ever seeing a board game presence at E3, uh, but I could. That's you know that might just be because it doesn't come in the media that covers it. So right, knows. I was just checking to see if it's on the box mockups at all, and they do they do say that they're working with Konami, but it looks like it's just IDW's logo that's on the box, at least the mockup cover. So yeah, yeah, it but, might be there. Who knows? But no, no, I agree. I haven't heard anything. Um, to confirm or deny that. Well, I know they said that, or I think the initial announcement was that the press was going to get to see it at E3, and then the public would be able to see it at, at Origins, which is starts like two days after E3 starts. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe that's not holding true anymore, that maybe it won't be at Origins, and maybe it will just be a Gen Con thing. Yeah, but, maybe. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Hopefully, we'll hear more about that board game, because I know there's a lot of people excited for it. Hmm. So to start, I know they're not doing a press conference this year, but EA is still doing EA Play. They have said that they're going to kind of do, I guess, similar to like Nintendo's Treehouse. I'm assuming Xbox did streams all day during E3 where they have deeper dives into games. Is that a thing? I'm assuming, yes. Um, not really. They did. Oh. Um, <clears throat> they would do some like inside Xboxes, not as not as crazy as like. The Nintendo Treehouse, though. Okay. They don't, they don't stream, like, for 12 straight hours. During okay. Day. Yeah, because PlayStation, when they were there, would do basically every day. Not quite 12 hours, but they would do 10 to 6, and they'd do 30-minute deeper dives into a whole bunch of different games. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to my knowledge, I, I didn't see Microsoft do that, but they also could have um, potentially hosted their channel for other people playing games. Um, that's very true. Um, but I think Nathan and Donnie will probably be better at knowing that for sure. Well, in between, <clears throat> you know, all of the all of the different companies that are there as far as covering E3, I think there's plenty of ways to get to get notice or to get airtime about your game, whether you're oh, yeah. at the GameStop stage or the IGN stage or whatever stage you're going to. Um, but EA not doing a press conference, but basically going to be doing that stream during the day where they're going to be, be showing things from games, go more in depth and more focused on specific games, which for EA, I'm actually really excited that they're doing this because if you're a Madden fan, for a lot of people, the Madden part of the press conference was maybe kind of the not exciting part or the FIFA part of the press conference hmm. was the not exciting part. But obviously the fan base for those games are huge. So yes. if you're a Madden fan... Now they can give you an hour 
on all of the all of the nuanced changes they're making to Madden to hopefully be help you be excited for the upcoming game. So I think EA moving to this format is actually a really cool thing. What are things that you would love to see EA talk about or you'd love to hear from them that would make you say, hey, you know what? EA Play seemed like a successful event for them this year. I don't know that I have a good answer for you. That's okay. <clears throat> because um, EA has been such a letdown in their presentation in the past couple of years. <clears throat> I don't mean to come across as like negative towards them, but um, they, I don't know what they had to show this year besides a new Madden and a new FIFA. Uh, so maybe I'm excited to see some surprise announcements, um, but they kind of lost me on Anthem stuff, even if they show um, new Anthem content. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not excited. Uh, <clears throat> I know we talk about how much I still like Anthem the game, but that's when I was actively playing it. I don't have this need to go back to Anthem right now. I felt a weird need to go back when they did that latest patch mm-hmm. and they added a new... Um, the equivalent of the strike. I'm already forgetting what they're called. Um, <laughs> we know what you're talking about, though. When they added that new that new um, stronghold, yeah, and I, you know, in the quick navigation between menus and things, I really wanted to go back and try it, but there has to come to a point where I stop neglecting other games that could potentially bring me more enjoyment and stop playing Anthem for a little bit at least. So if they announce like new Anthem content, I don't know that I'm going to be excited. And I don't know if the damage has been done with Anthem for EA. Like, is there, do you think, is there something they can show at EA play for Anthem that can fix the Anthem problem? I I think there's always the possibility that yes, there is what that is off the top of my head. I don't know. Right. But I think, there's always something they could potentially show or come up that's going to fix the the quote unquote anthem problem, right? It seems like people still like that game, but it does also seem like the number of people playing that game has diminished significantly from February till now. Yeah. So if they can do something to bring back that group, that would be that would be, I would be excited if they do have something that they can show that's going to get people reinvigorated in that game. I think that'd be really cool to see. So you said Anthem, not much that can make you excited. What about Apex Legends? Are you in or are you out on Apex Legends? New content for that. Yeah, I mean, season two is exciting. Uh, I'm just, I'm more excited that Apex is living this life right now than I am maybe about playing the game anymore. Like I still like the game and would would not say no if someone was like, do you want to play Apex? Like gotcha. I'm, I'm, I am a big fan of what they did and, and I love Respawn, so... Um, yeah, I'm excited to see the new character they announce, uh, if they're going to change the map at all, um, what they're going to add. Um, so that will be big for EA. And uh, we talked about it last year. I'm still waiting for EA Big to come back. <laughs> I wish. Uh, and I think that would be huge for them. I don't know that, that that's in the cards. Right. Um, but yeah, EA Big or Def Jam Vendetta. Uh, those are things I would like to see, but I don't think we're going to see those. Do you... Well, I guess we know or assume that we know that we're going to get in-game footage or gameplay footage of the new Star Wars game. Does that excite you? Do we know we're going to get in-game? I I mean, it's coming out in October, November. You got to imagine we're getting gameplay, right? Well, it's scheduled for October, November. I feel I currently am pretty confident it's going to hit that date. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not basing that. I have nothing to base that off of, obviously. I just, in my gut, feel like that's going to happen. I mean, if that's the case, then we better get gameplay. <laughs> it just with the, I, and I know that they say this typically doesn't happen, but with the movie coming out. Yeah. I really feel like they they very strongly want to hit that date. Yeah, but it has like no relation to the movie besides Star Wars title. Right. Hey, here, play the Star Wars game to tide you right. over until you get to watch the movie. That seems good. Yeah, I guess it's better than playing like the Lego Star Wars that actually has spoilers for the movie. Right. In it. So right. Maybe that is better. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about the, the Fallen Order, I believe it's called. Yep. Um, when it came out, uh, the the... Cinematic didn't sell me on it, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if if for me personally, for EA to get me excited about the game, I need to see some gameplay. Uh, I just for whatever reason, um, f- not even for a second did I think we would see any gameplay at the C three, and oh. that could just be my uh, poor foresight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there anything else from EA that you would like to see, or do you would you like to see them do a another indie game or smaller game or two? I, I mean, we are still waiting on. There's the one. Why am I blanking on the one game that we're still waiting on from them that's smaller? I don't know. I'm trying to think if EA doesn't do things small. So I'm not well, sure. <laughs> but they had like Fee or Faye, and they had yeah, yeah, a way out, which obviously wasn't super small. But it's the one where you're in the boat. Oh, 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 yes. Um, something in Solitude? Sea in Solitude? Sea of Solitude? Sea in... Uh, sea of Solitude, right? Sea of Solitude. Thank you. Yes, uh, I thought that looked great last year. Agreed. Um, so I would love to see more of that. Maybe a, a release date would be cool. Um, yeah. yeah, and what was I thinking? There was something I was going to say um, about EA, and now I forgot what it was well while you think of what it is yeah. here are the things that would make me excited that if ea did them okay i would like and i know ea is not big on remasters yeah so if they want to make a new one that's fine but not like the last one i want a new ssx game yes and i would love awesome. for it to be ssx tricky even just remaster ssx tricky and i'm good yeah the last SS- ssx game was was i enjoyed it i had fun with it but it was not tricky so i would love to have that back and I am really excited. There's supposedly going to be a new um, Plants vs. Zombies game. And mm-hmm. everything is saying it's going to be Garden Warfare 3. I don't know if you've ever played the Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare games, but yeah. they're really good. I have a ton of fun playing those games. So I would like for that to be true because, number one, EA Access is finally coming to PlayStation. So I will potentially have other people to play that game with. Uh, and number two, it's just a really fun class-based shooter that's way less serious about everything and i just really appreciate that that was the year garden warfare 2 came out i probably put more hours into that shooter than any other shooter that came out that year i love those games they're so fun wow nice yeah so those would make me excited did you think of what your other thing was i did uh but also you know you know what label ssx tricky was under right ea big yeah it was yeah i know um i like to see them show some more support for battlefield 5 did i just Um, hear that they are getting rid of duos in their ring of fire because it's not popular enough i think i read that today (laughs) it wouldn't surprise me i didn't i didn't read that but it wouldn't surprise me um i'm really i don't know if it's ea's fault i don't know whose fault it is 
but I'm really disappointed in the rollout of Battlefield Five in general from EA. Um, they did such a great job leading up to the rollout with these awesome events. And then I feel like once that game came out, there was no press. There was no attempt to get that Battle Royale out to compete with Call of Duty. And then they released Apex Legends like three weeks before they released that. Yeah. So I, I'm really kind of bummed. I don't, I don't, I feel like Battlefield didn't get a, um, a, a fair chance. I don't know that if they release any support for Battlefield 5, it's going to do any good, but I would really like like a f- good faith show of support to Battlefield 5. So maybe those guys feel a little bit better about guys and girls uh, feel a little bit better about what they did um, because uh, I know that all these shooters, it's all about multiplayer and battle royale. There is a lot to be happy with in Battlefield 5 that I really am just bummed that it missed the mark. Right. Did did you buy Battlefield 5 or did you just play it through Game Pass yeah. or through EA Access? We you bought it. it. Oh, yeah. we do. I should probably play it then. <laughs> Yeah, I, do like no, I mean, <clears throat> it is what it is. The single player will still be good if you play it today or a year from today. So right. I think that's good about what that's what's good about that. Excellent. Um, well, I will probably play it this summer then. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll have a lull. <laughs> yeah. Everything right now I have said, oh, I will play it this summer. <laughs> yeah. It's been a lot of things that have been pushed this summer, let me tell you. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to say about EA before we move on? Uh, I just hope they, I want to just, the other thing I was going to say is I want to see them um, reveal a new IP. I don't care if it's big or small, but show us that you're doing something uh, behind the scenes. Would you rather have a new IP or a new dead space? Oh, you can't. That's tough for me to say. I know. That's why I asked. For me personally, I would rather see a new dead space as long as it's from the people who made dead space one and two. (laughs) If it's from the people who made dead space three, I would rather never see a dead space ever again. Okay. Well, Uh, I don't think it can, (laughs) it can't really be from the people who made the first two. So, well then no i'd rather see new ip (laughs) okay so all right so we'll move on then on sunday microsoft kicks off the press conferences obviously they've already talked about how or i believe they've pretty much confirmed that they're gonna be revealing their their new console there right yep yes scarlet yep so console aside yes unless this is your thing you're most excited about what would you like to see from microsoft what would make you excited what would make you say hey that was a great show I'm excited about Microsoft. I think the thing I said about Microsoft last year still holds true uh, for this year. I'm excited because I don't know too much about what their plans are, and I'm excited to see what they bring to the table. Uh, We have a problem, though. Um, I don't know if it's the Internet's problem or our problem or Microsoft's problem or E3's problem, but there's a lot of weight being put on Microsoft's shoulder shoulders. Um, and I don't know that it's fair and I don't know how Microsoft's dealing with it. And that's all things that are happening. That's happening behind the scenes. I don't know if Microsoft is thrilled, terrified, both, neither. Um, this isn't a shot at Nathan, but on the state of the empire, Nathan made a comment about Phil Spencer turning companies away because they didn't do something for Microsoft in the past. Like, oh, can we come on stage and show this game? And Phil Spencer's like, no, why would I ever let you come on stage? You didn't help us out with this. I do not ever want to see that scenario from from any company, to be honest with you. Has that actually happened? 
I don't think so. Okay. But I'll- it was like um, Donnie had made a comment about like, um, do you feel like something to the effect of like, do you feel like all these people are going to be trying to get stage time because Microsoft's the only person like people there? And then they had like there was a little banter. I'm not trying to to take anyone out of context, and obviously their opinions are their own. But like, I don't want to see them holding this as like a power move. Like, sure, why would I have Square Enix on you? What have you done for us? Like, I don't ever want to like hear of any company doing that. Um, so that doesn't are, seem like the Xbox of current. No, no, it, it doesn't. I, I don't think. It seems like any company really right now. I it seems like think. no. It kind of seems like PlayStation would do. That. Well, I I wouldn't assume that a PlayStation whether they would do that or not. But, um, but also PlayStation when they do their stuff, it's very like we're just showing you stuff by Sony Computer Entertainment, yeah. not third party companies. Very yeah, um, very few third parties on right. their stages. And, you know that's and that's their thing. People get that. And Nintendo's close to the same way but they're becoming more lenient um so what i don't need to see is a big forza spectacle and i don't know that anyone really needs to see that anymore Mm -hmm. we get it and if you know if we're pushing like the hour and a half two hour marks on your on your press conferences now maybe leave out the 30 minutes dedicated to forza motorsport 7 you probably have lined up to do um like we get it Forza Motorsport, it's pretty. It's very simulation-y. All the gearheads love it. Forza Horizon, we get it. It's very pretty. All the arcade racers love it. Show us your location. Show us some gameplay. Move on. <laughs> like, we understand all this. I'm, I'm going to try not to rant on the Microsoft thing because it would probably be easy for me to do. Um, what I would like to see is maybe another studio acquisition um, but more importantly, I want to see some projects from the studios they acquired last year. Uh, do you, do you really want to see that? I do. I don't necessarily want to see a game that's like this is coming out. But I think what I, in my head, what I think would be cool is the same way they show that little like montage of studio heads talking. I would like to see the same type of clip with those same guys. Being like, this is the game we're working on next. In whether it's a cinematic or a, de- a dev diary clip, something quick to show people's investment in Microsoft as a consumer. You're, if you got excited about Microsoft buying five studios last year, you should also be excited about seeing what games are coming exclusively to Microsoft, whether it's Scarlet or X or S. Like, you want to know the money you're giving to Microsoft is going towards you like playing these games. Gear, you want to see more Gears 5 than you want to see an independent game that you never heard of? Because I don't. So as a PlayStation fan, I have heard for many years from Xbox fans about one game that we can obviously talk about here in the future. Games like Final Fantasy VII yes. that PlayStation showed. And now here we are three years later, four years later, yeah. and that game isn't out yet. Oh, I'm not saying this game's coming out. This is like, hey, Microsoft gave us this investment, and this is what we're working on. Right. No, no, no release date. Final right. Fantasy VII's problem was they were like, it's coming. Like <laughs> this, like no, they didn't, say, they didn't say anything about what it was coming. They just said we're making it. You, the first one, they didn't say episode one coming, and then they no. gave a quarter. No. You sure? Positive. Because that's what I remember. I could no. be remembering it wrong. Nope, they did not. 
Okay. Because the, the big thing was that it said when the everything came up, it said remake. Like that was the big thing is that it was a remake of Final Fantasy VII, not just a remaster or anything like that. Right, right. There right. was nothing talked about as far as release goes at all. Gotcha. I mean, okay. I mean, that's fine regardless. <clears throat> I, I, I still don't think that changes me wanting to see what these companies that were acquired are doing. And I, I'm on you. I'm with you. I like knowing. I, I think we're way too secretive. I, or we, like, I work in the gaming industry. I think right. the gaming industry is a little bit way too is way too secretive often. But I think of when EA did that, where they showed that clip of people working on games that they didn't really reveal or anything that won E3. Like they got hammered for that. And people play like the reason he, that PlayStation isn't at E3 this year is because hey. We're going to show you games we've already showed you twice, and we don't want to show them again because people hammer us for doing that. But do we believe PlayStation doesn't have games coming out? Well, we know what games they have coming out. They just haven't announced anything that's after these things, and they're not going to until they announce their next console. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's no way that the games that we know are coming out are the only games coming out from PlayStation this year. Well, and who even knows if those are coming out this year? Oh, well, we don't know that they're coming out this year, but I mean, like, they ha- like, I don't know. This, this is my Microsoft, regardless of yep. Sony. Focus um, on Microsoft. Uh, I agree with you to the Final Fantasy seven point. I don't want them to show a game that's going to be out in five years. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, and that's also, but that was also Square Enix. We're not talking about a company that was bought by a, a studio, right? To put out games. Like, I don't know. Maybe, and that's maybe that's just a me thing. But I don't think like if Microsoft shows off Ninja Theory's next game that in my head, I don't think I'm thinking it's coming out this year. I know that the internet might think differently. <laughs> um, but like for me, like what I wanted to see from Microsoft, because I don't know what they're going to show, but right. you can keep buying up studios. Good for you. You can you can buy Star Wars cards and never use them. There's no point in buying Star Wars cards if you never use them. So Microsoft can buy every studio, and if they don't put out any games, they're pointless. They're useless. Very true. So, so you want to see a video of them working on stuff. What else do you want to see? What else would make you say, yeah, that was a great conference, Microsoft? I mean, we all know what Microsoft has to do. They have to focus on the next generation, and they have to show us why we're picking Microsoft and they have a six month lead over what we're going to see or hear from Sony. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Like Sony could come out in September. Like we would just wait for Microsoft. Ha ha. Our console's better. Uh, but I really think Microsoft has to compete with Google Stadia. So Sony in, in this situation is out of the picture. Microsoft is competing with Google right now. Um, and maybe because they can't compete with Sony. Uh, that's totally possible and plausible. Um, so they need to focus on xCloud. I'm not particularly excited about xCloud. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's like a proof of co- concept right now. Like <laughs> right. you're not hearing stories of people using this except for Phil Spencer saying he's playing Destiny 2 on his phone. Right. Um, but I could say that to you right now, and it means the same. So <laughs> um, they gotta they gotta show some X Club. They gotta start talking about um, Scarlet. I think it's important that they do not touch pricing. Period. Because um, it's way too early. Mm-hmm. But but if they can give me some hope onto some 
IPs, some new games, old and new coming to the new console. Uh, right now, you're trying to get market share for the next gen of consoles, so that's really where they need to win. But they're under this crazy amount of pressure to show stuff for this year, which could make this terrible for them. I mean, they have said that this is going to be their biggest E3 ever. Yeah, but they don't. They, but they're not saying that this year is going to be their biggest year ever. Right, and I think honestly, them announcing a new console at it basically makes it the big. You know. From a, even from like games aside, them announcing their ne- their next generation plans makes this probably the biggest E3 for them ever at this point. So, yeah. and not saying that they won't announce great things re- regarding games as well, but just from a hardware standpoint, they are going to have kind of ownership of the new cycle more than likely after this for a while. I would feel like after E3, unless you're a Nintendo fan. So, yeah, but I'm worried they're not going to show games. Is what I mean. I think they like, will. If their new console overshadows their games this could be considered a terribly three for them i mean you have to imagine they're going to show halo right yeah but they're not going to show gameplay from halo yeah maybe i mean it's going to be on the next console so we could get gameplay still (laughs) maybe we might get kills on three gameplay (laughs) and you know exactly what i mean by that i know i do know what you mean by that (laughs) and i don't want that (laughs) anything else for microsoft that you would like to see um no, I, I just want them to surprise me and to make me happy. I don't I don't really want to make any like predictions or anything like that. Gotcha. Uh for me from from Microsoft, I I want to see more gear. I want to know if that leak release date for Gears 5 is real. Yeah. So I would like to play Gears 5 that this fall. That would be sweet. I would like to know when Ori and Willow the Wisps is coming out. That would be awesome. And I hope whether it be not in necessarily the montage way that they've done it before, where Phil Spencer comes on stage and says, we're showing a thousand games today. And obviously yeah. hyperbole there, but I would like to see some smaller games that they just focus on more similar to Ori, similar to Cuphead, similar to even below, which maybe didn't work out quite as well as people were hoping, but I would love for them to really incubate and show off a few of those smaller games. Nintendo has pretty much taken the gamut on a lot of that at this point. And I'd really like to see, I think this is one of the areas that I'm really disappointed in Sony that they've gone so far away from it. So I'd like to see Microsoft still committed to some of those smaller games and those smaller projects and not just an idea at Xbox montage, but a few like really focus on and show, Hey, here's some really cool smaller projects that are coming out in the next, you know, 12 months that we want to, we want to talk to you about today. So that would make me excited about Microsoft. I do want to see Tunic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Gears Tactics. I do want to see more from both of those. I can understand that. I'm not a tactics person, so that doesn't do much for me, but I hope that they show that for you because that would be great. Thanks. Uh, later that night, Bethesda takes the stage. Hmm. They've already said that the next uh, Elder Scrolls game is not going to be there and the next, and that Starfield is not going to be there. So hmm. we know that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bethesda, what, what are you excited for, Josh? I'm sure we'll get some more Andrew WK. That will be super fun. I really enjoyed that last year. I know I might be in the minority, but I thought that was great. I like Andrew WK, but it was just out. It didn't. It didn't fit in with the show. Um, I know you're excited for Wolfenstein Youngblood. I um, am. I haven't started Wolfenstein Two yet, but thanks to Game Pass, um, I will play it soon. Um, you know, I was excited about Fallout seventy six. Uh, obviously, um, I think. Thankfully, Kevin like talked me out of getting that, which is which I'm happy I didn't get it. Um, I'm excited to see Doom Eternal and see what's going on. Um, but just like last year, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some surprises at Bethesda's presentation. So I'm just kind of excited to see like what's next for them, even if it's like another Dishonored and just nobody knew it was coming. Or if we're going to see some more like games no one knew were in the pipeline, like uh, maybe a Prey 2. I know people are pretty, pretty big on Prey. Um, uh, maybe a tease on a new Fallout. Like, is that even possible? Like, are we looking at a new Fallout? Um, yeah, they have a lot to prove too. Like, they got a lot of flack for Fallout seventy six, and and I, uh, you know, maybe I'd like to see them do some quality of life improvements for that game for these these people that are are still playing it. Um, right. But that doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited to see more of Youngblood because. Um, just the the premise seems really uh, funny and enjoyable to me to to watch more of that. It's almost like kind of watching a movie now at this point, like seeing what these crazy characters are up to. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I I'll be curious to see if Stadia is part of their presentation with Doom Eternal having been run on Stadia. Right. Uh, right. So I'd be curious about that too. And maybe a next cloud announcement. Maybe they're like, we'll be on both. Yeah, maybe. What about you? So I'm I'm trying to think of what they possibly could have that we don't in some way know about. Obviously, there's going to be some surprise. But when you look at Bethesda, not just the game studios, but like Bethesda, Zenimax as a whole, right? Yeah. You know, I assume whatever Tango's next game is, we're going to get. So whether that's a new The Evil Within three or something different, yeah. Like so, I I think that probably is going to be part of it. But you know, Machine Games obviously is working on Wolfenstein and Wolfenstein Cyberpilot, so they have two in. And I think Arcane, I think, is helping with the um, Wolfenstein Youngblood. So I don't necessarily know if Prey or another Dishonored or something else from Arcane is reasonably in the works or close to ready if they're helping with that studio yeah. or with that project. Obviously, we know Id is working on another Doom and they just helped ship Rage 2. So Zenimax Online, we'll, we'll get some Elder Scrolls Online stuff, obviously. Yeah, and Blades. And Blades. But uh, what a... Like, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what else, you know, I and obviously, like we said, I'm sure there are some surprises there. I'm obviously very excited about Wolfenstein because I, I really enjoy how they have reinvented this series and brought it back. So I'm excited for more information there. I, yeah, I'm very interested to see what that surprise announcement is, whatever it might be. Um, that's where I am at with Bethesda right now, because I just don't know what else they're working on. Yeah, same here. So hopefully they surprise us. I would be cool with some more Andrew WK. That would be cool. And like you said, I'm sure there will be some uh, mobile stuff that they talk about as well. Uh, do you have any desire to talk about Devolver Digital's show or the PC gaming show? No, I mean, uh, Devolver Digital, I don't know that they've ever shown anything like besides crazy nonsense. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, over the, top. the PC gaming show will be interesting um, because I think it's been a couple of years since we've had like a dedicated one. They might have uh, done it last year. I think, I think day I think day nine usually hosts it. So I feel like it happened last okay, year. Okay, maybe I just missed it. Um the last one I saw was like a twenty sixteen one. So um uh yeah, I mean I'm always now that I'm back like in the PC gaming um sphere, uh, I'll be interested to see what they show, but 
And um, Epic seems to be sponsoring this show this year. Yeah, I mean, Epic made a big statement today. We're saying that like we're hosting this and we're showing like some exclusives and yeah. Uh, I mean, good for them. Honestly, originally I thought that they were just kind of trolling Steam, but once I find found out um, how little Steam was giving creators and how much Epic is, and that they were willing to work with Steam, um. I'm all on board with Epic for now. Like I still have a bunch of games on Steam and I'm not right. swearing them off, but like good for them to make a stand and to try to make PC gaming uh, a f- more fair environment for gaming. So cool. I'm good on them. But yeah, I don't have any predictions for PC games. Yeah, I don't for Devolver and PC. I got nothing there at all. So that brings us then to Monday early afternoon, Ubisoft, ubiquitous mm. software themselves. Yes. That apparently the Splinter Cell tweet today was a whole bunch of drunk creative directors at Ubisoft Summit. Yeah. Did you see this? Whoops. Yeah. And then Ubisoft's like, oh, we don't know what they were doing. They're probably celebrating too early, but we don't have any plans on announcing a Splinter Cell game yet. Right, right. So like, okay, so so you can't fire that guy because he's making your game, (laughs) but he clearly made a mistake. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, Ubisoft. Yeah. What what's exciting exciting for you for their upcoming releases? What would you like to see from them? How do you feel about the new Ghost Recon game? Oh, I'm so excited for the for Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, um, their launch for that their launch event on Twitch was perfect. They did such a great job. Mm-hmm. They had the people making the game talk like eloquently about what they're doing and you could understand why they were doing what they were doing. The writers, a former Green Beret, one of the writers, you know that they're bringing back the old feeling of the Ghost Recon uh, Vance Warfighter, but like mixed with Wildlands, which I think Mm -hmm. is awesome. Uh, You can play solo or four players. So they're kind of getting that division two aspect in there. Mm -hmm. They're really hitting on everything. And And then they showed gameplay and that was, like alpha gameplay, but right. show gameplay. They did they did that event so good, so well. Um, I don't know that they'll show too much more of the game at E3 just because they just showed so much. And maybe they did that because maybe they have a bunch of things to show. <laughs> maybe. Because uh, why wouldn't you save that for E3? It's a month away. So uh, clearly they're trying to get ahead of something or just to get more content out. So <clears throat> obviously we're going to see a Splinter Cell game. We don't know. What. You guarantee it? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I can probably guarantee we're going to see a Splinter Cell okay. game. <laughs> um, we're going to see more of Beyond Good and Evil 2, which I think is awesome. Like we're way overdue to see. That's that's be- going to become the next Final Fantasy 7 if they don't start showing something from that game. Right. Um we're going to see Skull and Bones, which, right, sorry for the pun, but the, the ship may have set sail on that one for any excitement. Um, uh, we know we're not going to see Assassin's Creed, but you know what we might see? We might see Mario um, Rabbit's Kingdom Battle 2, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would be awesome. Uh, I'm such a big fan of that game. And, you know, maybe we'll see some more uh, joint uh, work with them and Nintendo. Um, uh, as far as anything else, we'll probably see some content from Division Two because they just added that two-player raid today for us two days right. ago for 
people listening. So maybe we'll see some lead up into like the Division 2's uh, next DLC. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see more Watch Dogs. Um, really? I think people were really excited when, even though it was clearly a Ghost Recon symbol, people were right. like, Watch Dogs 3, it's Watch Dogs. I'm like, guys, it's a ghost. It's the face from Ghost Recon. <laughs> Um, I'd love to see a For Honor 2, but they're in that Rainbow Six Siege plan where mm-hmm. it lo- and, and Wildlands plan where it looks like they're just going to keep providing um, another year of content. Do you think for those ga- your Rainbow Six Siege, your For Honor, do you think they talk about, hey, here's the next year of what we're going to do for these games? Is that something that happens? I think so. Um, I, I'm not all fully up on Rainbow Six Siege, but... I think they just revealed a new season for that. I believe so, yeah. I, like oh, I, think, I think we're due for For Honor to have a new season. Um, but if you look at like For Honor, what they did, they put the Rabbids in For Honor yeah. on April Fool's Day. And then lightsabers. they put lightsabers in to the game for on Star Wars Day. Like, yep. They're doing a great job supporting that game and providing new content. And even for one day events and things like that. So right. It seems like they're still invested, so maybe we see year three, four for honor. Is there anything out of the ordinary that you'd like to see? Is there anything you're outside of a splinter cell, anything you're hoping for, even if you think it might be unrealistic? Um I don't think so. I mean, I would love to see them partner do kind of like what they did with Nintendo, maybe partner with an unlikely game, like mm-hmm. or maybe game company to put out something unique. Uh, I, I would say I think Ubisoft is the one I look forward to the most every mm-hmm. year. So I, I'm kind of just really excited to see um, what they put out there. Do, do we see again? Do we see that Avatar game they're supposedly working on with Disney? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think it'll be weird. I think it's unfortunate for them. That game but might the, be done. Like, yeah. It's unfortunate for them with the movies. Mm-hmm. Um that they're just going to have to keep, well, they're going to have to make a decision. They're going to either have to delay it and ask Disney for some money to keep like next genning it up right? with gaming, or they're just going to have to release it and hope it can stand alone um, just off of the original movie. Right. Hopefully it doesn't have any content from the sequels. <laughs> Cause then they wouldn't be able to put it out. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. For when it comes to Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed is the franchise of theirs that I enjoy the most. I have had a lot of fun with the Division 2. You know, the time that we've played in like Ghost Recon has been fun. But for me, Ubisoft tends to really be the Assassin's Creed studio. Like, that's what I like from them the most. Skull and Bones, I was moderately interested in. But I think kind of like you said, the ship may have sailed on that game. And I thought that was supposed to be this fall as well. And now they're like, hey, here's this Ghost Recon game that's coming out in October. (laughs) And obviously, it still could release in fall. It seems very different. Maybe not the same audience, but who knows? Maybe a little bit of overlap there. The biggest thing I would love to see from Ubisoft is I would like to see a small, quirky game again. And it sounds like those aren't going to happen. We're not going to get those UB art games anymore. So we're not going to get Child of Light 2. We're not going to get... Oh, gosh, the story-based game about World War One. Oh, Valiant Hearts. Yeah, we're not going to get another Valiant Hearts. And I really enjoyed those games. I would love to see more of those. I would really love a new Rayman. I really yeah. would like a new Rayman. But I think with all the projects that we already know they have that they're working on and probably some bigger games that we don't 
know about games like that don't fit Ubisoft's MO anymore. They yeah. tend to be about bigger lifestyle games that you play for a lot of hours for a long time outside of hopefully maybe they will or maybe they do these things with Nintendo. Maybe that's where that outlet becomes for them. But I always enjoy looking. I always look forward to Ubisoft's conference. I tend to really enjoy everything that they show. And then I tend not to play most of it <laughs> for yeah. our, for whatever that means. Yeah. So, all right. So kind of moving along here. After that, the folks over at Kind of Funny are doing their games showcase, uh, you know, later Friday afternoon slash early evening. Are you going to watch this? Do you have any interest in their game showcase? Uh, they obviously like did one back in December. Yeah, I, I I didn't really know what to make of it. I think I watched some of it. Um uh, I mean, I'll watch it if, I mean, I'm going to watch as much E3 content as I can. So if right. I'm not working or not taking care of a child, I'll watch it. But it's not like on my like need to watch list. Right. And I'm going to watch it probably because I'm planning to take that day off from work. But I like the first one. I assume it's going to be a lot more indie games, which is just is so hard to predict as to what it could be then. And maybe it won't be. Maybe they'll have some bigger surprises in there. But if it's anything like the first one, which I thought the first one was pretty good. You know, it's it's a nice place to get a good update on some solid indie titles you might be able to see in the next year. So hopefully that continues and maybe they have a small, a little bit of a bigger surprise or two. Um, but I'm down for just being more of what it was the first time. And then taking over what used to be Sony's spot Monday evening, Square Enix has their show. Obviously, earlier this month or earlier last week, Sony did their next state of play, which showed a new trailer for Final Fantasy VII and then said see more in june or more information in june so clearly we're getting more final fantasy 7 information at this conference mm. i assume avenger the avengers game we're probably going to see would you agree you gotta hope so <laughs> so outside of that what do you think square enix is going to show or what would make you excited no <laughs> the avengers game i'm curious mm-hmm I have no interest in watching this. I watched last year's. It was terrible. Last year's was not good. Um, I don't know why they're doing another showcase. Uh, maybe they just, maybe the economy has been good to them because not unlike the rest of us, maybe they have all the money they can spend on a whole showcase, but. Well, and it might be your pre-recorded video. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe if it's a, if it's like a, a direct, that would make more sense. Right. Um, I just don't know what they can show me. I am not excited about Final Fantasy VII anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see what the Avengers game is, but if it's just another cinematic, I'm going to lose interest on the Avengers game because we have Marvel Ultimate Alliance to play. In just a couple months. So I don't know what they can show me. Like it says, like they revealed The Quiet Man last year. I don't even remember that. And It didn't review well. Babylon's Fall like is supposed mm-hmm. to come out this year on PC and PS4, which are weird exclusives like PC and PS4. <laughs> That's actually very common for Square games that they come out on PS, PC and PS4. That's pretty really? common. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that they can do anything. Oh, I guess, let me rephrase it. Um, they can only win me over. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> let's try to be positive <laughs> i have no expectations they can they can literally only win me over like nothing else will happen if they do something i'm not interested in my opinion will not change <laughs> right 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 yeah square is an interesting company because it's one of those that i don't know 
a ton about because I assume there's obviously Square Enix in Japan. Yeah. And then obviously they own Crystal Dynamics and IDOS Montreal. <laughs> uh, and then there's Square Enix Montreal. I know that that exists too. Okay. I don't, but I don't let, I don't know how big, you know, Square Enix in Japan. I have no idea how many teams they have. No clue how many teams they have. You know, similar to like Nintendo has multiple like insular teams inside yeah. that have n- really odd names. I, I don't know how many teams they are working on their games there. And they did recently say there was an interview that came out with them when they did their earnings call just recently or part of their earnings call, I guess, wouldn't have been an interview. But they talked about over the that they are now aggressively investing in new IP. Hmm. I But who knows when we'll see the fruits of that. If they have just said that in their most recent call, who knows when we'll see the fruits of that labor. You know, if it's Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy XV, like, I mean, we might see it <laughs> this, you know, now and we'll get those games in five to ten years. But I'm I'm interested to see what they have to show. I'm very interested in what might possibly be coming. I think seeing Avengers might be cool. Seeing Final Fantasy VII and maybe potentially getting a release date for the first chapter would be very interesting. And I only say that because they very clearly said in the state of play on PlayStation that it was coming to place. They talked about it being redesigned and upgraded for PlayStation 4. Very clearly made a point of saying that. So... I think it's got to be within like the next year-ish that, that that game comes out, if they're saying that. But here's my wild card question for you. Do we see the first trailer for Final Fantasy 16? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, has it been, it's been about two years since 15? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And if you think about how long it was between that first trailer for 15 and when we got it. Yeah. Uh I guess it, that's the. You're, it's we just don't know what the storytellers have been working on. So right. maybe we see another online Final Fantasy. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Though Final Fantasy fourteen seems to be going very strongly. I think that is it's still a very popular game. So maybe yeah. we see like a um, expansion to that. I'm sure that would make sense. I this is probably the conference I'm most intrigued by. Because I have no idea what they're going to do other than I feel confident about Final Fantasy VII and the Avengers. Outside of that, I'm very intrigued to see what else they might be working on. So The next one is what I'm most intrigued by. So, speaking of that, the final <laughs> conference of the day of E3 kicking off Tuesday morning like they typically do with a direct Nintendo. Josh, you said this is the one you're most intrigued by. What are you intrigued by? Because I don't know what they have going on like up their sleeve. Like Nintendo for like E3 stuff, I would say like 25% of it's for me. Most of the other stuff is either kid based or cutesy based and it's just not necessarily what I'm looking for. Um but I always give Nintendo a shot. Like um I know Animal Crossing is big on everyone's radar and people want to see more from Metroid Prime 4 and we have the Pokémon RPG. These are all things that we'll definitely see something for, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nintendo always like gets me my interest going with like all these new things they bring out. And mm-hmm. whether I play them or not, I, I think I always genuinely like watching a Nintendo Direct um, because they make it exciting. They do. 
uh, even if it's games I'm not interested in. Um, because like something always catches my eye, even if it's one game out of like a, an indie, like I still enjoy watching those. So I just kind of like what they do. And for the most part, I genuinely don't have any knowledge of what they're about to do. Probably because I don't like listen to like Nintendo podcasts or right. like I'm not where I used to be in my Nintendo like nostalgia fit, like timeline. But right. if we saw a new Donkey Kong Country, that would be super cool. If they decided to fix Star Fox, that would be cool. Um, games like like a new Mario would be great. Um, but I'm looking more like the 2D side-scrolling Marios. Right. Um Things like that. I'm just kind of excited to see what they bring to the table. Not like everything I just listed might not even be close to being done or coming out, but there are things I know uh, either exist or have a high potential to exist. So, right. I just, I just like, I like the show. I like the spectacle that Nintendo does. Well, and they very clearly said that, you know, this direct is going to focus on games coming out in 2019. That doesn't mean that there won't be maybe a surprise for a future game. But we already know, right, that they have uh, Super Mario Maker 2 coming out this summer. The next Fire Emblem Three Houses is coming out in July. Astral Chain is coming out in August. Obviously, they Pokemon Sword and Shield, Dragon Quest XI Ultimate Edition is still going to be there. You know, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Animal Crossing, Bayonetta 3 potentially. I don't know if that's going to be this year, but is a game they could show obviously it doesn't seem like the next metroid prime game is going to be ready because they got restarted but i'm sure people would be really happy if they saw a new logo and something about that luigi's mansion 3 yeah there's so many games that they already have that we know about that they could literally do a direct of games that we already know about plus one more kind of surprise thing at the end and i think people would be really happy mm-hmm. and i think that'd be completely okay yeah I I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. If you're a Nintendo fan, I think this is a great year for you based on the games that they have coming out. There's something for almost everyone and myself, who I don't think I'm quite the Nintendo fan I used to be. In fact, I know I'm not quite the Nintendo fan I used to be. There are still games I'm excited about. I'm really looking forward to Astral Chain. I hope it's really good. It looks very cool. Uh, Looking forward to playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 this summer. There's some stuff out there that I'm excited about too, and I'm not even a big Nintendo person anymore. So I think all cylinders are firing gold for them right now as far as what this direct could be, what the rest of 2019 looks for like for them, and even rolling into 2020. And realistically, the, I think that if you are a Nintendo fan, even I think Microsoft would have to do some really amazing things for you to not be more excited about what Nintendo has in store right than what microsoft has in store and that's not a knock on the quality of games that microsoft has that's just because nintendo's lineup is so strong right now yeah i mean they do obviously like if you put microsoft sony and nintendo together yeah it's no joke that microsoft is the worst in 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 first party ip development like that's just a problem that they have right now and nintendo's always killed it and sony yep. has as of late been destroying it like so the, yeah, I mean it totally makes sense. Yeah, but Nintendo even if you put always a safe bet. Yeah, but even if you put what we know is in production currently at PlayStation. Yeah. Nintendo still this lineup is ridiculous. It's so it's, good. And it reaches a wider audience too. Like sure. you're not gonna have kids playing Last of Us too. <laughs> 
absolutely you but shouldn't. i think <laughs> i mean ideally but i think that also speaks to the strength of nintendo's exclusives that they have that they are so broad yes. in the in what there's literally almost something for everyone no yeah. matter what you're interested in so yeah. all right that is e3 2019 I'm pretty excited about it, even though I'm a PlayStation guy and PlayStation's not going to be there. I'm still pretty excited. How are you feeling about it overall, sir? Um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, we have some listener questions that I think address some of my issues with it. Uh, Hit us with them. Okay, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> so let's start with um, Schplag at Dopalicious. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. You want me to really ask that You can skip question? the first one. That's fine. All right. Uh, he first asked a question uh, that only relates to the tweet itself, which I don't have copied here, so I'm not going <laughs> to ask that one. Uh, so he starts by saying, uh, what are some of your favorite E3 hype moments slash memes from years past? Well, I'm going to just go right ahead and say I'm not a big meme guy. <laughs> like, I don't know that I have a favorite uh, meme. Um, I mean, we were on the OT last night, and we talked about our first E3 moments. And I think that still fits for me as one of my favorites is um, when the PlayStation one was announced, uh, I would argue that the Dreamcast was a big one for me, but it wasn't announced at E3. It was announced like in the middle of things. So we get a bunch of games at that 98 E3 for the Dreamcast, which I was very excited about. Um, the first, um, Xbox 360, that Microsoft press conference. And and I very specifically remember, if you didn't talk about hype moments, there were times where both Microsoft and Sony gave out consoles to everyone in the audience at different E3s. And even though I wasn't there, that's those are pretty big hype moments. <laughs> they are. <laughs> um, but those are mine. Um, at least uh, that I can think of. What about you, Kyle? I think the two that jump to my mind right away is on the OT you had mentioned I talked about in 2006 when Sony said PlayStation 3, 599 US dollars, yeah. which wasn't a good thing. And that was when I said I made the decision to go Xbox for that generation and get a 360. And then it was in 2008 when Square Enix said, hey, Final Fantasy, it's coming to everything. Yes. Being Xbox as well. That to me, as someone who had moved from PlayStation to Xbox, was a big deal. Hmm. I thought that was a really pretty, pretty big hype moment as far as that goes. The other one that sticks in my mind, and I, <laughs> people are going to make fun of me for this, but the other one that really sticks in my mind is actually the reveal of the Order 1886. Oh, okay. And the reason for it is I know that a lot of people didn't like the game, and that's fine. I thought the game was pretty good, decent, if you would. But I said, wow, this is what the next generation is going to look like. And that's pretty much what the next generation looked like. And I think that was it for me. It was That was the first game that coming into PS4 and coming into this generation that I saw and said, wow, that game looks incredible from a graphics perspective, from just the way everything looks. And then it looked that good. So that, I think, for me, was really what stuck out of my hype and anticipation of a game that was, from a graphics perspective, that we so often hear people get upset about or talk about downgrades or, like, all those things. When I saw The Order 1886, when I played The Order 1886, it looked like I thought it was going to. It, it fit that expectation. And for the most part, 
I think this generation has a, done a very good job of delivering on what they're showing for the most part. There might be, there's a couple exceptions here and there, but overall, I think that they've done a good job of trying to show pretty accurate to what we're going to play, which I think is awesome. Nice. All right. He continues with seemingly two of the three big, sorry, with seemingly two of the big three dropping out of E3. I find it really hard to care about the event. Anyone else feel this? I used to leave work early, get some wings and beer, and watch Sony Presser. Now, I don't even know when E3 is. So so here's what I'll, I'll start by saying. I'll, Sony dropped out, and you just forget when E3 is. That seems very dramatic. Um, so, yeah, so you're a Sony guy. That's fine. Um, it's interesting. So this is one of the things I was referencing. So people, they don't seem to – some people are saying they don't care about E3 anymore because – Sony is out, uh, and that's fine. That's a, that's something for you. But as much of a of a Microsoft fan uh, as I am, there's so much still going on at E3. There really is. What I worry about is everyone's focusing on the big three, right? Sony, mm-hmm. Microsoft, Nintendo. So if Sony and Microsoft, Nintendo don't go to E3, we cancel E3, and then Ubisoft doesn't get a show, and all these companies that do incredible games that we all love, that we have to play on one of our big three consoles, don't get to show us what they're working on in that form, like in that format. Like, I don't know that it's fair to those companies. Um, and obviously, there's different ways to look at it. Well, let's save the money. Sure. But you can, they're going to spend money on marketing anyways. And this sure. is like free press for them because everyone in their demographic is in that general location. It's definitely you know? not free press. It's okay. very expensive press. But in comparison to um, – I just saw something about a movie. they like, this place spent millions of dollars on commercials mm-hmm. for this thing. Okay, great. Why didn't you spend that money on YouTube ads? Because I didn't see a single ad for your thing. Right. Because you've spent it on commercials. But now I'm in your bubble. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you have to pay for your stage time. But everything you show me, I'm going to see. And if Microsoft and Sony and, and Nintendo don't show up, they just lose out on all that marketing. So I, this is what worries me. I'm worried about the state of E3. Um, because, just because Sony isn't there doesn't mean E3's dead. Yeah, I, I actually think this could be helpful to everyone else that Sony isn't there. If you listen to or look at metrics from sites that cover E3, Sony is by far, I shouldn't say by far, pretty significantly though, the highest watched time. Now, I think part of it has to do with the fact that it's Monday evening. So you get home from work, you can sit down, you can watch the press conference, you can do those things where as Sunday, early afternoon or Tuesday morning for Nintendo, a little more challenging for sure. So I don't think it's just because of Sony's draw, but all that attention now, are you going to lose some people who are just pure Sony fans and they're not going to watch anything else? Probably yes. But this is a ton. This is a huge opportunity for those other organizations to get more attention than they maybe would have otherwise. So actually, I think this is really good for a lot of those other companies and other groups to maybe catch some eyeballs that they wouldn't have or be able to keep some headline time longer than maybe they would have, assuming what Sony was going to show. And realistically, 
I think E3 is still fun and still cool. I am one of those people who, for a couple of years, have been excited about E3, but also don't know if, personally for me, if I need E3 to get excited about games. I, I get excited about right. pretty much, you know, like they talk about, hey, we're doing a state of play or, hey, we're doing a live stream of XYZ. I'm excited about it. I want to watch the thing. I want to see the thing. I watch them for Nintendo and Xbox too, even though I'm not really hugely into those ecosystems. I still watch them because I like getting excited about things. Yeah. So there's a lot of excitement in a very short amount of time, but I think that I wouldn't mind having excitement spread throughout the year too. That seems fun, right? Yeah, but you don't get the crowd reaction. That's true. That's true. Watching like, even though it's going to be the next Call of Duty, watching like the crowd react to Modern Warfare 4 being announced or 3, whatever is next. Mm-hmm. Um, the people losing their minds, getting excited. I don't care what console it's for. That's it's exciting cool. to watch. It is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also, Schblig, just because just you don't know when E3 is, it's June 9th, so now you know. Um, just watch the Microsoft thing. Maybe you'll be surprised. You don't have to buy Xbox. You might just enjoy the content. <laughs> I mean, most of their games are going to be third-party multi-platform games anyway. Exactly. So. <laughs> every game they show will be on every console. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, so he's, he continues um, in reference to his other comment, uh, I'm a bit jaded on E3. Uh, what's the likelihood of something blowing my mind and getting me excited? I'm still loving Apex, but want something else. So <laughs> you lead off with I'm a bit jaded on E3 and then says, <laughs> and then you ask, what's the likelihood of something blowing your mind? I'm going to say zero, but maybe there's like a 1% chance. Maybe maybe you will become less jaded on E3 next year. Um, I mean, if you're looking for surprises, I would say watch the Ubisoft press conference. They're still saying they're going to release and announce three to four new AAA games this fiscal year. That's what they're saying. That's crazy. That means from now until next March, mm-hmm. they're planning on revealing and releasing three to four new AAA games. Even if those all don't come out, that has to be an exciting show. Right. And at least three of those games will be on the PlayStation, maybe four of them. Yeah. So you'll still have something to be excited about on your new, on your console. Um Kyle, is there any way of blowing away Splig's mind and getting him excited? I think potentially. We're also in that weird time right now that I genuinely think the chance that you have to be most blown away is probably going to be at Microsoft Conference because they're announcing they're going to fully or mostly reveal new hardware and potentially talk about games that are going to be on that. And that just in and of itself is exciting and cool. Yes. So even if you're a PlayStation person, though, you can watch that and be excited because though we're not going to have the exact same thing it can help give you an idea of what the future might hold for playstation but seeing new games and new generations is just fun and exciting so watch it be excited about it say wow that's cool i'm really glad someone else gets to have fun with that that's awesome nothing wrong with that exactly and you get you get like what 18 more state of plays between now and december you'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) people are very confused because they said the next one's later this year and is technically technically tomorrow's later this year but is that yeah. September? What does that mean? Yeah, I think their messaging was a little weird on that. Yeah. Uh, Donnie at Play Nintendo um, uh, in regards to E3 says, many gamers around the world look forward to this big grand event that allows us all to see the future of video games and celebrate the video game industry. 
Do board games have an event similar to E3? If not, would you like one? Who's invited and how would you design it? Well, I mean, we know the answer to this. We do. Uh, there's a few. The yeah. big one would be Essen, uh, I would argue, is like the closest to E3, uh, just with like game releases. I think you could also argue Origins um, is similar as far as game releases. Like Gen hey, Con. Gen Con. I was going to mention Gen Con. Okay, too. You're, I just you went from <laughs> Essen to Origins, and I feel like I, I feel like you skipped a Don't pretty worry. big one in there. Gen Con is in there. Um, I would even argue now, Dice Tower West, Dice Tower Con, BGG Con, and even PAX Unplugged, they all have um, either big announcements or releases involved, like um, that have either taken place there or are like like uh, Betrayal Legacy was announced at PAX Unplugged. Um, every I think each event has had at least something announced there but yeah the awards and things like that it's more gen con origins and essen yeah and yeah because i think when you start talking about like bgg and dice tower you start getting into the more pax level shows yeah yeah so but yeah the, those are definitely the big three for sure so yeah we have three e3s Woohoo! and one of them is like the same week as e3 that would be origins <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for the listener questions. We appreciate them every single week. So feel free to continue to send them in. Josh, this has been a super long show. As we do. As we do. A little longer than the 91 minutes that, you know, the OT said we would be. A touch longer than that. A part one and a part two. We're not going to make it a part one and a part two. (laughs) But what we are going to do before we leave is give our dear listeners a recommendation for a well-rounded life. While we're clearly a gaming podcast, we want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or think we're into that's helping us live that balanced life currently. Josh, what is your recommendation for a well-rounded life? It's the same as yours. But I'm going to change mine now because of that. Well, I could have changed mine, I guess. No, it's fine. Go for it, man. Uh, Well, now I don't want to say it because you are changing yours. Now I'm sad. My well-rounded life is be original. Don't copy people and make them change their answers. Uh, my pick is Raising Kratos, um, which released uh, just a few days ago. Yeah, May 10th. Actually. And I was up late one night because people weren't sleeping in the house. And I decided, well, I'll just walk across the house so I can't hear the baby making noises. I'm <laughs> sure my wife will take care of that. And I watched Raising Kratos on YouTube. And, um, you know, a lot of people were talking about, like, what this is. Is it going to be awesome? It's made by a pretty pretty uh, well-known uh, documentary group, can you call them? Yeah, I think Person, that's appropriate. Group. Uh, so this is the... Well, this is the resurrection of Kratos, the resurrection of God of War, if you will, taking um, God of War uh, after it's after God of War three. There were a few like odds and ends games released for God of War and like the PSP and the uh, it wasn't one for the Vita, right? Was there? I don't think there's no, a Vita. Ghost of Sparta one. and something Chains else. Of, the Chains of Olympus. Chains of Olympus. And they kind of talk about how like. Do people really want another God of War? What do they want? Do people want Kratos to come back? And it, it takes you on this journey um, of this, can I call him a genius? This very smart, 
enigma of a person who had this vision for what Kratos was going to be, how his life kind of influenced how Kratos' life changed, and then like the pitfalls of uh, setting release dates for games and working under pressure uh, in a game studio and uh, changing offices in the middle of creating a game and all these very fascinating um, ideas and you see some personality clash and you see some camaraderie and you see um, kind of everything that gets put into making. In fact, I would argue while this was very good, I don't even think it still grasped the level in which it must have been at to put this game together. Right. But I would. I, I also really enjoyed watching the work they put into the voice acting and the mocap as well, and the characters that the characters created. Uh, so this is like a. If you are into video games, I don't even say this is a recommendation. I would say this is like a must watch uh, if you have any interest in video games, um, and and especially if you've played God of War or are thinking of playing God of War. Yeah, I am not going to change my mind. I'm just going to stick with, with okay, Raising Kratos. Yeah, because, <laughs> because I was going to switch it, but I'll just use that for next week. Raising Kratos is really good. Now, to be clear, if you have not played God of War, there are spoilers in this. You are going to be very <laughs> spoiled about what happens in God of War. So I would recommend playing God of War first. But I was really surprised that here's a documentary being promoted by Sony that's free on their YouTube channel that doesn't always look at everything with rose-colored glasses. Yes. There are definitely parts that are struggles, that are things are hard, and there are... I have talked about watching documentaries about making games in the past and that I always felt like making games was really hard and that nobody... It didn't seem like anybody liked to do it, right? In watching this documentary... I think all of these people really like making this game, mm. but they like it so much that you can see sometimes the pain that it causes. Yeah. And there are many times that people shed tears in this over the challenge and the effort and what it means to them and how desperately they want to put out something that reflect accurately reflects their vision and their artistic goals and that you're going to be able to appreciate. And, you know, as a, somebody who's a big PlayStation fan, I've heard a lot of the stories about, you know, what making this game was like. And Corey Barlog has been on many podcasts and done many, many things talking about the development and getting this game out. But I really think this just takes another look at it and really helps to better understand how amazing it is that any game gets released, really. Yeah. So I can't recommend it enough. Definitely, if you've played God of War, I think it is a must-watch. If you have not played God of War, I would encourage you to play God of War and then watch this documentary because you will be spoiled on things. Oh, sidebar, they talked to Bear McCreary, who often, who did the soundtrack. Josh, I just need to say, Bear yes. McCreary does not sound like I expected him to sound. I had never heard him talk before. Okay. And he sounds like a completely normal, I don't want to use the word normal, but I'm going to, but I think you know <laughs> what I mean. He sounds like a totally normal dude. Uh -huh. His name is Bear McCreary. How does he sound like just this average guy? 
Well, you know, sometimes your parents picked the wrong name for you. <laughs> no, his name is awesome. His name is so good. I yeah, was expecting a hefty expectation. I know. I was expecting this really <laughs> gruff and like, Ugh, and he's just this guy who really likes making music. <laughs> he's yeah. so cool. All right. So that's Raising Kratos. Josh and I both have highly recommend it on YouTube. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Thank you for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with uh, hashtag Board with Fiji. So please Use that hashtag. Let us know what you got going on. And uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, I'm just going to plug Twitter this week. You can find me at Josh Bones on Twitter. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media or via email, because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.